Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Today we are in week number four of Treasure Hunters. How many of you have enjoyed this series? Some of y'all are doing that by faith. No, it's, I've had a good time preaching this series because I do believe that the principles we're learning in this series can change our world. Uh, it can definitely change your world. And uh, we've talked about buying the field and we've talked about unlocking the treasure. And we even did a week where Pastor Karen and myself did a little Q&A on relationships. And um, I believe that the principles we're getting can change our life if we will apply them Um, Today, it's the last installment of the series, um, and I want to call this message, I'm going to call it Abandoned Treasure, Abandoned Treasure. And let's pick up um, with the key verse in Matthew chapter number 13. I got a lot of work to do, so I'm trying to dive right in. Matthew 13, verse 44 says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had, and he bought that field. So we've been learning that the the kingdom of heaven is like treasure in a field. And if I want the treasure, I have to be willing to endure or put up with the field. I cannot extract the treasure out of any relationships where there is dishonor in my heart. That honor is actually uh, a principle that opens doors for me. Honor gives me access to the treasure that's on the inside of people. Um, When I operate in honor, anything I honor, it moves towards me. Anything that I dishonor moves away from me. And so these principles are very, very important. Um, And we left off last week in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm going to pick up there in 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 14. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for them who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Other translations will say, we regard no one according to their flesh. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, and the old has gone, the new is here. The Apostle Paul is telling us that, um, he, he, he says that the love of Christ compels me to regard no one from a worldly point of view, that I'm not to regard people according to their flesh. Um, and, and he's telling us that you and I, as followers of Christ, we are to see things differently than the world. Uh, more specifically, we are to see people differently than we did before once we come into a relationship with Christ. Um, and he uses the words, we judge it or we see it this way. I regard, it literally means I judge it or see it or perceive it this way. 
Because the love of Christ compels me, I now see you differently. Hit your neighbor and tell them, I see it differently. I see it differently. That's what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. And it, it applies to this series because this entire series has been confrontational because honor is not the standard for most people. It's been confrontational each week because you sit and you're listening to these, these messages and you're probably rehearsing some people in your own mind that you've dishonored all week. And then you come and hear a message on honor and accessing the treasure in another person. Um, we're going we're gonna to hit this real hard, but we have to start right here. Honor is your standard. I'm going to say that again. Honor is your standard, not someone else's. This is not about people. It's about you. Honor is my standard. That's what God is trying to do in us, that honor become the standard. And I'm not waiting on people to become honorable before I honor them. The reason we don't honor people is because we wait many times on them to become honorable. But the Apostle Paul said that we are to regard no one according to the flesh. I'm not to get hung up on their dirt. I'm to focus on their treasure. We come up in church with a holier-than-thou attitude a lot of times and think that, you know, we just got it all together. And, and, but how many know if I came home to live with you, I would find a lot of dirt. And I ain't talking about the dirt on your floors. I would see you in your field. I would see you lose your temper. I would see you say things that you would later have to go and apologize for. Why? Because we all have a field. We all have dirt. And, and so the love of Christ compels me to see you in a certain way. And so it's not about the people in my life rising to a standard of honor. Honor is my standard. Whether you live honorable uh, or not, you're going to leave my presence with dignity because honor is my standard. How many know that's a game changer? Because we, we, we honor people we feel are honorable and we criticize everyone else. We struggle with the concept. Paul is talking about perception, the way we see things. Jesus came into the world to deal with sin. And the reason he came into the world to deal with sin is so that God, through the person of the Holy Spirit, could take up residence in our lives. And so we get saved. We are born again. And once we're born again, we start praying to God, right? Anybody pray in this place? All right, I'm just making sure. Somebody like, prayer? I hope you're praying. And we, usually when we pray, we pray for God to do things in our life. And that, nothing wrong with that. We want God to show up. We want God to do certain things in our life. Um, but I think we have an Old Testament view of how God answers prayer. We, we think like um, Isaiah in the Old Testament. He walked into the sanctuary one day, Isaiah chapter 6, and the Bible says that God physically came into the sanctuary and God's presence so filled the sanctuary and his robe, the train of his robe, which represents God's victories, so filled the room that that's the way Isaiah saw God. But what we, what we do now is that we think God is going to show up like he did for Isaiah. God isn't showing up like he did for Isaiah because God didn't live in Isaiah. God didn't live in his people in the Old Testament. So he had to show up in physical form, sometimes through an angel, 
sometimes through what we call a theophany, which is a, a pre-incarnate uh, form of Jesus. He would show up physically because he didn't live in the people. Um, we fast forward to the New Testament and God's not showing up the same way with all of his people because God now lives in people and God now shows up through people. So I pray for God to do something in my life. God, will you do this? Will you, you bless my finances? Will you, will you, will you heal my body? Will you, will you touch my marriage? And then Jimmy shows up. And we know Jimmy. Jimmy's on his fourth marriage. Jimmy was in prison for a little while. But Jimmy got saved, but we don't, we don't honor the fact that he got saved and his life has been changed. We still talk about who Jimmy used to be. And so the answer came in the form of Jimmy. Because we, we, we in our prayer call, God just show up, and he did. His name's Jimmy. But I can't honor Jimmy because I know too much about his field. So I'm never able to pull out the treasure in him. The concept of honor means that I'm not waiting for Jimmy to walk on water before I receive from him. See, the love of Christ compels me to see a treasure in the midst of a field. Jimmy is, is valuable, but if I don't see his value, I can't receive from him. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Um, you don't get a person's treasure unless you're willing to honor them. That's what we've been building this whole series on. When, when Pastor Karen married me, she didn't just marry preacher Chad. Like treasure part. I wish I could just say it's always a treasure being with me. <laughs> she married treasure Chad, yeah, preacher Chad, but she also has to put up with frustrating Chad. You're getting on my nerves, Chad. Could you please go to the other room, Chad? Come on, y'all. Y'all in, in this room with me. Like, she didn't just get, like, I would love to say, yeah, I'm all treasure, but I know me. I'm not all treasure, and you're not all treasure. So every time we start discounting people because we talk about their dirt, why don't we pause and go look in the mirror and recognize we got some dirt? Yeah, it's, I may preach this all year. I'm serious, because you don't hear messages like this. Nobody's talking about the one thing that could unlock your miracle. And it's honor. Being able to see the treasure in another person. Our problem is, is that if we know anything about anybody, it prevents us from receiving from them. We can no longer receive from them. But God always shows up through somebody. Um, a lot of times God shows up and we just ignore because we, we don't like the package God showed up in. We don't like the way God wrapped himself in that situation. And so we miss our answer. Um, Paul, he, when he's saying that we regard no one after the flesh, what he, he, he's not saying you live. He, he's talking about his own standard. It's not about that person becoming what we need them to become in order to honor them. Honor is our standard. 
That's what Paul is talking about. And, and so the honor, honor principle is often missed, and, and because of that, we're not able to receive. And part of that is because everything, you can see this pattern with God all throughout Scripture. From Genesis to Revelation, God has this pattern of taking great things, like great things, but he, he puts them in something common. So, so if you are casual about it, you miss it. And we see it all throughout Scripture. You say, well, why does God do that? Because God doesn't want to give treasure to the casual. He wants to give treasure to the passionate. In other words, you got to really want something. And many times the treasure that is in another person, you're never going to see it if you still treat them casually. It's not until honor comes in that you begin to see. Listen, you say, I'll honor them when they do A, B, and C. No, honor them now and their standard of living will change. Let me say that to the wives. The Bible says it's better to live on, top of the, uh, on the rooftop than it is to live with a nagging wife. That's, that's in the book of Proverbs. And, and the reason that's important is, is because as long as you continue to nag, you're actually making him worse. If you'll change your standard and honor first, his, his, his standard will change. That's the principle. And that, how many know that goes both ways? Sometimes it's men nagging all the time. Hallelujah. I, I got so much word in me today. I'm telling you, I, I just want to preach this, but I, want, I don't want to preach it. I want us to get it. Preached the first message, and I went and sat down on the front row, and I could feel the weight of what God's trying to do in the house. And, it, it, and it's, it's not just that we honor and all that. It's, it's if we're going to be a place where streams of rivers flow out and healing goes to the world, the reason Jesus couldn't do miracles in one town was because of the lack of honor. The Son of God couldn't do it. Was he, was, was he able to do it? Absolutely. But he doesn't move in atmospheres of dishonor. Proverbs chapter 25 verse 2 says, It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out, to search out a matter is the glory of kings. And, and I'm reading that to you because God takes great things and he puts it in common places. Um, God hides things, and he takes pleasure in it. Part of that is because he, doesn't, he, he wants the person who gets it to be passionate about it. So if you walk by it casually, you're going to miss it. That's why the Bible talks so much about secret places, that, that we have a secret language, right? Tongues, praying in the Holy Spirit. We, we, when we pray, we go where? To the secret place, he who abides in, in, in the secret place, right? He who dwells in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So God has all these things many times that, that are tucked away, great things that are tucked away, and, and we don't get it because we, we don't recognize God in the package that it's in. And so God, he doesn't display everything for everybody. Like if you're casual, you're going to miss it. He doesn't throw, Jesus said, I don't throw pearls before the swine. You don't get my treasure unless you're willing to buy the field, is what he was teaching us. And so many times, because we are so hung up on people's field and so hung up on people's dirt, we never get to see the treasure that God has put on the inside of him. But it was the same Apostle Paul who wrote that we have this treasure.
treasure in an earthen vessel. Anybody thankful that there's a treasure on the inside of you? There's a treasure on the inside of you. And we want access to that, but it, it comes at a price. You see this pattern all throughout Scripture. We could talk about King David. When, when God said, I want a new king, and, and he talks to Samuel about going to anoint the new king. Samuel goes to Jesse's house, and when he gets there, there are, there are eight brothers, all right? But David is not invited to the ceremony. Seven, his seven brothers are because they're handsome and they're, they're you know, tall in stature. And it, it's what we need to see visually when we look at a king. And the Bible says that David was ruddy and freckle-faced, whatever that means. Uh, apparently, he didn't measure up to everyone's standard. But they did not invite David to the party. They didn't invite him in at all. He was, he was met with such disrespect and dishonor. But what I find interesting is that the most common, the most common one out of the eight sons was the one that had a king on the inside of him. The one that was packaged in a way that, that didn't speak to everyone that he's a king. He was the one that had a king on the inside of him. I wonder how many treasures we have abandoned because we didn't like the package that it came in. How many times are we dismissive of something great because what's great has been packaged in something common? Jesus said about John the Baptist, let's follow the pattern. He said, there's not been a man born of a woman greater than John. Now, how many of you, if Jesus says that about you, you legit. Like, you legit. Nobody born, no, no man born of a woman greater than, than John. But where's John? He's like Swamp Thing. He's out living in the woods. Like, he's got this giant beard. Look like some of the West Virginia guys. He's eating locusts. And wild honey. But Jesus is proclaiming there's something great. I've just tucked it away in something you would be dismissive of. Something great packaged in something that looks common. Follow the pattern. Samson. Everybody, when we talk about Samson and the movies they make about Samson, it gives you this picture that he was like the Incredible Hulk. He's always giant and ripped like me, you know. I'm just kidding. No, he, he is. He's like massive. But that's not who Samson was. The Bible doesn't say he was massive. The Bible says everyone was confused. How does this joker carry the gate of a city up the side of the mountain? They were confused. Like, how can he do? How can he catch? Get, he caught 100 foxes and tied their tails together and set them on fire. Sent them into the enemy's camp. Like, everybody was like, they were trying to figure it out. They were puzzled. They were confused. And the reason they were confused is because he didn't look like the Incredible Hulk. He looked like Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> if he had looked like the Incredible Hulk, no one would have been confused when he carried the gate of a city. The question was, how does this man do it? God took something great tucked it inside a package that people were confused about. Jesus himself, 
Bible tells us about him that there was nothing about Jesus that would cause him to stand out. There was nothing about his appearance that would make you or I esteem him. In other words, please don't get mad and don't send me an email because I may send one back. Depends on what day. There was nothing about him that, that would cause you and I to esteem him, which means he was not overly good looking, overly handsome, wasn't his piercing blue eyes. It was none of that stuff. The Bible says there was nothing about him that would make you and I esteem him. But God wrapped himself in flesh, and not only that, wrapped himself in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. And the Bible says only a few people recognized him. Why? The package. The package. Scripture says he came to his own and his own received him not. How could God take something so great and package it in something so common? We could take it a step further. When Jesus was about to be arrested, to be crucified, they didn't just come and know the, which one he was. The scripture tells us that Judas had to kiss the one so that they could recognize who it is that we are arresting. There, there was nothing about his physical stature that set him apart, yet we know he was the son of God. It was wrapped in something common, which means Jesus, the reason they, they had trouble figuring out which one was Jesus is because he had dirty feet like the rest of them. He had a matted beard like the rest of them. And my question is, is if Jesus looks so much like the 12, I wonder what Jesus looks like in this room. I believe he looks like people in the front row the 10th row, and the back row. Come on, y'all. Come on, somebody. Jesus was packaged. The Son of God was even packaged in something common. And I'm trying to tell you, if we're dismissive of people that look common, we'll never extract the treasure that they have. Numbers chapter 6. We're going to shift gears, and I'm going to be honest. It's going to get rough in here. Y'all all right? All right, let's do it. Numbers chapter 6. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and the, and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they will, be, they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Now, Everybody in here, I believe you're, you're really smart people, but we, I want to make sure you get this. Who is God talking to? He's talking to Moses, not a trick question. He's talking to Moses. He's, he's telling Moses, hey, Moses, I want you to go and tell Aaron, this is how I want you to put my name on the people. Okay, so there's really three layers. So you got Moses, you got Aaron and his sons, and then you got the children of Israel. God did not speak to Aaron, and he did not speak to the children of Israel. He only spoke to Moses. The thing that we miss is that when Moses spoke, God was speaking. How many know when once God told Moses, he didn't have to tell Aaron and the people? When Moses showed up and said, this is how we're going to bless the people, that was God speaking to them. So important. Aaron would be the one saying it. 
All right, he gets the, gets the word from Moses, and then Aaron goes and says to the people, this is how you're going to be blessed, and this is what he proclaims over the people. Now, Aaron is saying it, but how many know God is the one blessing? As Aaron speaks, God's saying, I will bless. Now, I'm bringing this up because this is where we have to learn to recognize God in other people. Because there is protocol, there, there is authority, there is order. Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 40. He says, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whosoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. And, and so he, he deals with the prophet, the righteous man, and even the child. What, what he's saying is that we need to esteem honor everywhere. doesn't matter if it's a prophet level, just a righteous level, or a kid level. There needs to be honor. And let's take that a step further. I have to receive you if I'm going to receive from God. You see how quiet it is in here? I have to be able to receive from you if I'm going to be able to receive from God. You may have the treasure that I need, but if I dishonor you, I'll never get that. I have to honor you to get that. We have to remember honor is our standard. It's not their standard. It's our standard. They asked Jesus one day, when he was talking about, you've seen me and done all these things, they said, when have we seen you, Jesus? He said, I was homeless, and you fed me and gave me, gave me shelter. He said, I was in prison, and you came and visited me. You remember that, when Jesus said that? There are people in prison right now that have a treasure that could bless your life. But you know what we do with people like that? We dismiss them. Yeah, we'll go patty cake on that. Let, let me break this down for you. Moses goes to Aaron and says, here's how you bless the people. God, I've already been, I've been talking to the Lord and I need you to go do this. This is how you do it, Aaron. When Moses gives Aaron the instructions, do you know what Aaron's, um, you know what Aaron was really thinking? God didn't tell me. That's what he's really thinking. God didn't tell me. Mr. I killed an Egyptian. Mr. I've been running for 40 years. Mr. I, I married a woman that God didn't give me permission to marry. She was outside my tribe. Oh, I'm supposed to hear from you as the Lord. That, that's what he's thinking. But on the other hand, Aaron now, he has to hear God through Moses and now Aaron has to go share what God said through Moses, filtered through himself, and he's got to go tell the people. God didn't speak to Aaron. God didn't speak to the people. But there is a word for Aaron and the people. So Aaron shows up to the people and says, God says, this is how I'm going to put my name on you. This is how you're going to be blessed. And you know what the people were thinking? God didn't tell us. Mr. Golden Calf. Mister, you had us out here dancing naked around a golden cow. Excuse us. You must have gotten saved. 
Excuse us. We didn't know you were now Bishop T.D. Jakes, Aaron. This, now, now listen, guy. How many know this is the way we are? This is the way we are. And, and I love this because even with the Aaron Moses thing, think about this. Not only did Aaron have to receive God's word through Moses, but they were family. How many of the hardest people to hear God through sometimes are, the, are your family members? Like, how am I supposed to take that as a word from God and you burnt the chicken last? You can't even take care of chicken. And now you, thus saith the Lord. Yeah, go fix the chicken. Get that right. How often do we abandon treasure because we can't get past the field? And here's what I love. God says, I don't care about Moses and his field. I want you to hear what he's saying. He's saying, I don't care about Aaron's field. If you want the treasure, you got to be willing to look past their field. That's what God was telling them. The problem is, is that we want everybody to be common until we need something. be common until I need a miracle. Now I don't need you common. I need you great. But once I get my miracle, I'm going to make sure you come back to common. We're so dismissive many times that we never get to see the treasure of the people around us because God will place precious things inside of dirty places. We have to be willing to look past it. That's why Paul said, don't regard anyone after the flesh. That as children of God, you are called to see people differently. That if you just see Jimmy as Jimmy, you're going to miss it. But if you can see Jimmy as a child of God, as anointed, as valuable, then you can begin to pull out of Jimmy what you need for your life. When honor becomes your standard, you begin living a life of honor. And what happens is, is you start gaining people's respect. But you got to set the standard. Cool thing about that is, is if you live a life of honor, when people talk bad about you and other people are around that, they'll say, no, 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 stop right there. I know them. You ever been in a conversation and with someone and they were tearing somebody down and you just had to say, shut up, I know them? If you haven't, you need to speak up more. Because I know how it is at the workplace. I know how, how, how people are. But our standard is different. But there's the church. I'm going to put it to you like this. God is raising the standard for this house. That this is a house of honor. Moses, Aaron, and the people, three layers down. And, and the, the whole premise of that was God wanted to put his name on the people and he wanted to bless the people, but they had to be able to, to get that treasure through the field of Moses and Aaron. Moses tells Aaron, this is what God says, and Aaron had to receive that. Same with the people. Sometimes we come into the church and we abandon the treasure because we, 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 we haven't developed or cultivated honor in our hearts. Listen, not just when I'm preaching, but when anybody's standing in this pulpit preaching, some people are like, I, I just haven't heard God in a long time. Listen, I am either speaking on behalf of God right now or this is religion. 
Well, he brought that one pastor in, and I don't like him. You'll never get the treasure. It's not how it works. All throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when you see the ministry of Jesus, he's healing people, and he's doing it quickly. Like, he speaks, and people are healed. They get their miracle. He says, well, let me put a little mud on it, and they're healed. Stretch forth your hand, they're healed. Pick up your bed and walk, they're healed. Like, you see it over and over and over. It's really, really quick works that Jesus did. But when you look at John chapter 4, just a little homework for you, go read that chapter. It's a long chapter. It's going to take you a while to read it. But Jesus has a conversation with a woman at the well. And this is not a quick work. If you don't believe me, just read John 4. It takes a while to get this woman in a position to be able to receive from the Son of God because Jesus has to, has to change her perception. As long as she just sees him as a Jew, she's not going to get her miracle. And so it starts with this conversation where Jesus comes up to her and says, you know, I need a drink of water. I want a drink of water. And she replies, and you can, you can hear the tone. Like when you read it, like it's almost like she said, um, the well's deep and you ain't got a bucket. Get out of here. Like, I really want a drink of water. Well, you Jews, you Jews don't have anything to do with us Samaritans. Well, I could give you living water, Jesus says. And she responds back, and, and this is my, my message. I'll preach it how I want to. Um, I really wish you could give me that living water, but we both know that ain't happening. Like it's, it's I mean, tit for tat. It's just back and forth, back and forth. And he's getting nowhere. And then Jesus decides, I've got to shift or this lady's never going to get it. So he shifts to change her perception and he says, call your husband. Oh, now it's got personal. She says, I don't have one. He said, yep, you don't have one. You've had five uh, and you, you now have a friend, you know, a roommate. You know how we are. We got a friend. Just, I just live with her, you know, live with him. So she had five, and, 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 and she's living with one that's not her husband. He calls this out, and the scripture tells us that at that moment, her response was, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. What happened? Her perception of him changed. Jesus couldn't begin prophesying to her until she saw him the right way. Honor helps you to see people the right way. You can't receive from people as long as you are dismissive of them and you fail to honor them. Some of us, we will honor our boss when we get the pay raise. But on a random Tuesday, he does something we don't like and now we're all, like, we're not thankful anymore that we got a job with a payday every single week. Now we're just hung up on this one part of his field. Oh my goodness. A minute ago, Jesus was just a Jew. But now in her life, he's a prophet. She's like, prophesy on, Jesus. I see you the right way. She received the word from him. She went to her town and said, come see a man that told me every, everything I've ever done. Come see this man. The principle of honor is about understanding that God travels through people. God travels through people. Um, let me say this, not every environment you walk into are you called to change. 
You got to be able to discern what environments you're called to change versus what environments you're supposed to submit to. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, I was preaching for a few years and then I got my first opportunity to go into full-time ministry. And, and so I left my home church, moved, Karen and I moved about three hours from home and we took a, a staff position at a church. And things were going real well. We were, uh, some of you will get this, some of you won't. We were doing student ministry and anything else that the lead pastor deemed necessary. Come on, y'all. I'm up here all by myself. Um, but things were going, we loved it, man. We loved it. Like everything about it, we loved it. You know, there were, there were hard days, there were good days, everything in between, all that. But we, we ran into someone that we had went to church with before that were a part of the church that, that we, our home church that we came out of to go do this uh, full-time ministry assignment. And we ran into him at the mall and he, he began to ask me how things were going with the new uh, position and, and all that. And I was like, man, things are going great. We're reaching students and we're doing A, B, and C. Church is growing. We're just real excited. And, and I made this statement. I said, it's such an honor to work with pastor so-and-so. I named the pastor. Just said it's an honor to work with him. Um, or work for him is the way I worded it. Now, before you say amen, don't do it. Okay? We had some amens thrown out at this point earlier. Not a good place to say amen. All right? I said it was an honor to work for him. And he said, no, 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 stop. You don't work for him. You work for God. And it's that spirit right there that keeps us from experiencing God's best. He was completely wrong. And I told him, I said, you're wrong. My service to God and me working for God means that I work for this man. And whatever he says, I, I'm going to do it. Like, I understood even at that point, and I'm telling you, had I not understood this, I wouldn't be standing here talking to all of you about this. I understood it, that I don't just work for God when God has given me a boss. See, we can't even take this. We, we, we struggle with the concept. I didn't, what, what was cool about it, though, is I didn't even have to have a vision. How I many, I don't need a vision as a staff pastor when I've got a lead pastor. It's not my job to come up with a vision. It's my job to make sure his vision comes to pass. If I can't be faithful over that which is another man's, I'll never be entrusted with my own. So I work for him. And my working for him was me working for God. So my job was make his life easier. If I can solve a bunch of problems without him ever hearing about it, that's what I did. All because I understood that. And we, we want to come in and honor God and then talk bad about our boss. See, it ain't just church work. Like, you know, we're, oh my goodness, I'm going to get in trouble today. It's not just in, in ministry. Your boss doesn't have to love Jesus for you to honor them. God is not going to send the people he is honoring until you have learned how to honor the ones he's already sent. Some of us, we, we struggle. Government officials, they make one bad comment. Now we just dishonor them. 
Jesus' hometown could not get past who he was in the flesh. They couldn't get over that God is wrapped like this. He came to his own, his own received him not. Why? Because of the way he was packaged. In 2 Samuel chapter number 23, I'm going to close with this. Goodness, I better close. I'm not going to read it to you, but in, in 2 Samuel chapter 23, David is naming the people that have helped him. It's the mighty men of valor, the Bible calls them. And he's giving a shout out to them for everything they had done to help him rise to the place of prominence that he was in. Um, and what you need to know is God will set up circumstances so that what is in you will be seen by those who are sent to help you. David had been anointed king privately, right? Anointed privately. Um, God had put something in him privately, but the whole world didn't know about it yet. And I want to tell some people that are frustrated because you feel like you're in a season where you're not being seen, you're not being noticed. Your gift, your treasure, what God has put on the inside of you, the Bible says your gift makes room for you. And you need to understand that, that at the, the right time, God will allow your treasure to be seen by people that can help push you forward. And that's what God did for David. So he's given a shout out to the men who had helped him. And we know that on his way to becoming king, one of the assignments David was given was take food down to your brothers. They're in the military. David wasn't, so he took food down. And when he took the food down, to the, he, he went to deliver the cheese, and he hears this giant named Goliath taunting the people of Israel. And what's crazy about the story is, is that the whole nation sitting there and the military there, no one seemed upset over Goliath taunting them, like at all. But it bothered David. Like it was something he couldn't just let go. He's like, who is this guy? Why is he making fun of God and God's people? Who does he think he, like you got this teenage boy who's bothered by it and the military, they're not. And I'm, I'm saying that to say the reason David was bothered by it is because there was a king on the inside of him. Sometimes what you are saying out loud that's frustrating you, it's because if it's bothering you that much, it's because you're assigned to do something about it. You're anointed to change it. And so David recognized this is not the way it should go. Your enemy can push you forward many times. David says, who is that? And what I love about the whole story is what God had done in him privately, God was about to put on display publicly. While you're in private and it seems like you're not getting to where God has called you to, you have to, you have to develop your gift. You have to practice. I mean, David practiced on a bear. He practiced on a lion. So when the giant showed up, he was no different. David had been working his gift. David's gift had been pushing him. David's rise to power, though, he, he ends up with these 400 men who he's given a shout out to. But before they got to this place, the Bible says that there was one, one battle where the enemy came in and took the wives and children. And these 400 
mighty men, mighty men of valor that David has given a shout out to in 2 Samuel 23. At this point, when they're in the cave of Adullam, they wanted David dead. They were upset. The Bible says that they were disgruntled, they were broke, and they were in debt. How I many of that's some mad folk? That's some mad folk. They wanted their leader dead. And what I love about that is David walked into a cave with people that wanted him dead, but what was on them didn't get on him, but rather what was in him got on them. Can God drop you in an adverse environment and you change it? Sometimes we're like chameleons. Every environment we're, we, we are in, we become. But how many know if there's a king or a queen on the inside of you, there's a treasure on the inside of you, you ought to be able to be dropped in an environment that is negative and you turn it around. You change it because of what God has put in you. I know this is heavy. This is heavy. I'm almost done. I want you to stand with me. In 2 Samuel 23, he gives a shout out to these men. He honors them. But they also, the Bible says that David sat down and he said this. He said, I wish I could have a drink of water from the waters of Bethlehem. And three of his mighty men over, David didn't tell anybody this. He was just talking like to himself. I wish I had water from Bethlehem. Just talking to himself. Three men overheard it. And there was such honor from David to them and such honor from them back to David. The Bible says they overheard that, they left, they went through the enemy's camp risking their lives and they went and got a bucket of water and came back through the enemy's camp and delivered David, their king, a bucket of water because they overheard him say, I wish I could have a drink of the water of Bethlehem. They deliver it to David and David was so moved and so touched by the fact that they had risked their lives and he was so honored by the moment. He said, there is no way I can drink this. You risked your lives to bring this to me. So he, the Bible says that he poured it out. He poured it out. And, and my question is, what happened to days like that where people could respect other people where people could respect leaders and leaders could respect people and that there would be mutual honor in all of our relationships and God put it to me this way some of you listen you have past due promises that are past due but they're past due because the first time it came around you didn't recognize it and just because you missed it the first time doesn't mean that's the last time. It will come full circle and you'll have another opportunity. But I'm encouraging you now, don't miss the way God sends it. I am so, I, I want to, how many know what I just preached today, if the world operated in this, how many know it would change the world? I know this is tough, but honor is your standard. Man, I, I, I sense the weight of what God's trying to do in us. Even in this culture, you hear so much dishonor. 
and disrespect. And But I believe that when people come to Bethesda Church, they're going to step out of the way the world does it, where everybody's out to cut everybody's throat and pull people down. When they step into this place, they're stepping into the kingdom and a place of honor, a place where God can move. Listen, don't be the clog that when the oil hits your seat, it gets clogged up because you're still operating in dishonor. I want the oil to flow through this place and through every street, every town, every state around us. I don't want it to get clogged up through dishonor. Let's not abandon the treasure because we don't like the package. Before you speak against a man of God somewhere, you hear people like, did you hear about preachers? I don't want to know about preacher so-and-so. I'm not interested in their dirt. I got dirt, you got dirt. Let's honor one another and pull out the treasure. Can you receive it today? Can you receive that? Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.